0: Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together. With chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, these friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists, Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are 5 longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure.
1: Well, hi, everybody. We hope you had a fun and or peaceful 4th of July. And, you know, we're friends in fiction. We are five writers and friends whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores binds us together. Every week, we come together to chat with each other and you all to support independent booksellers. And we are so glad you are here. So, of course, I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm your host tonight, and my latest novel is Hello, Summer.
2: I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest novel is The Book of Lost Names, out in less than two
3: weeks. Yay! (laughs) I'm Christy Woodson Harvey, and my latest novel is Feels Like Falling.
4: And I'm Patty Callahan Henry, and my latest is Becoming
1: Mrs. Lewis. I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest novel is On Ocean Boulevard. And this is Friends in Fiction. As I mentioned earlier, an important part of our reason for being is to support independent bookstores, who like so many other small businesses around the country have been adversely impacted by the pandemic. Tonight, we'd like to tell you a little bit about our bookseller and that's bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. And their mission says that we believe that bookstores are essential to a healthy culture there where authors can connect with readers, where we discover new writers, where children get hooked on the thrill of reading that can last a lifetime. As more and more people buy their books online, Bookshop.org wanted to create an easy, convenient way for readers like you to get your books and support independent bookstores at the same time. If you want to find a specific local bookstore to support, you can do that at Bookshop.org, and they'll receive the full profit off your order. Otherwise, your order will contribute to an earnings pool that will be evenly distributed among independent bookstores. And Bookshop.org says they also support anyone who advocates for books through their affiliate program, which pays a 10% commission on every sale and gives a matching 10% to indie bookstores. Now, all of the FNF, that's Friends in Fiction authors' books, and any other books we mentioned tonight on the program can be ordered through the link that you will find on the Friends in Fiction website. Whew, that was a mouthful.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't and know. And that's about. our show. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs>
1: Let's go drink some wine. I don't know about the rest of you, but we had a very quiet Fourth of July weekend here. You know, normally our small town has a funky little parade where neighbors gather for a viewing party with ham and biscuits and a Bloody Mary cart, followed by picnic summers around our lake and a fireworks display. So, but, you know, this year the pandemic rained on our parade. So instead, (laughs) we, we puttered around the house. I wrote. We had some socially distanced barbecue on our back porch with another couple. And since we can't go to our neighborhood pool this year, except by reservation, on Sunday, we sat in a leaky inflatable kiddie pool. Oh, <laughs> you. And then we you. had ribs. What did you all do? <laughs> <laughs>
3: we actually went sailing, which was really fun. We went with um, just like one other family and it was a big boat. So we weren't on top of each other or anything, but um, we went out to Cape Lookout, which is like an Island here. And it has this beautiful lighthouse and the water, it looked like the Caribbean. It was an absolutely beautiful day. Um and then we they did have our fireworks. We did not have any parades, but there were lots of fireworks. And that's I love fireworks. Like I am just I a sucker too. for fireworks. Um so I was probably more excited than the children to watch the fireworks. That's what I missed the most is the fireworks. They canceled
0: all the fireworks in Isle of Palm. <laughs> and sullivan's and so for the beaches they didn't want the crowds. so my children and friends were all in the house so marcus and i hightailed it up to the mountains and it was really i mean it's kind of sad this is like a religious holiday for my husband he is actually a member of the pyrotechnic guild of america oh my you know, goodness no, really? <laughs> He's a little bit of
1: a nerd that way hey, and so to it. miss
0: fireworks is like missing church for him Aww. so we went up and you know what we did which made it really special is we watched Hamilton and it was the first time I'd seen it and now I understand what everyone was so excited about and it felt quite patriotic to watch it on 4th of July
1: now Kristen did you get to Disney World after all or no you know, Disney World still isn't open.
2: And it's funny you say that because that's our 4th of July tradition. Every year, actually on July 3rd, because they do their July 4th fireworks, July 3rd and 4th. Um, it's a, tra- a tradition I've had with my mom for probably 20 years now. So we felt really sad. We didn't get to see her on July 3rd. I haven't seen my mom since March. And uh, to miss those fireworks with her really hurt. But we did the same thing Mary Alice did. We watched Hamilton. So oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was, no good. It was east, so good. It was. It was a little, but man, I, I, um, I, I missed the fireworks and I really missed my mom. Yeah.
1: Oh. Patty, what did you do? So we watched Hamilton and then. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, odd woman out good. here. I know. He's and we,
3: Hamilton.
1: we,
4: my sister-in-law, one of the, my favorite people in the world, Serena was here and we did our best to memorize the entire King George song. <laughs> I'm going to send a fully armed stole- battalion to remind you of my love. We just thought that was the funniest song we'd ever heard. He but, stole the show. Um, he did. Yeah. Fully armed <laughs> battalion to remind you of my love. But, <laughs> but we we had all these big plans for the parade. We we're going to do the golf cart and we'd ordered all this stuff to decorate the golf cart under the sea with her two little girls and when they canceled everything we decorated the golf cart anyway (laughs) 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 rode it around it had waves and jellyfish and (laughs) we did the whole thing and just tried to salvage what we could and sang the King George song and drove around in a decorated golf cart that works
2: I love it I love it you do realize you're now going to have to sing the King George song for us, Absolutely right? Like, you know right. what you set yourself
4: up for. I will <laughs> do a lot of things on Friends in Fiction, and sing is not one of them. <laughs> we'll see.
2: Keep picking keep we'll that
3: line. We'll, we'll see, see Patty. <laughs> okay.
1: What about Friends in Fiction Live? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, so last week um, we got on, somehow got on the topic of our first raw concerts, and that might have been. Somehow I talked about one of my I think my first one was James Taylor Taylor and Carol King, way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And we did promise we would talk a little bit about concert yes. and music that week. So what was everyone else's first concert? Chris? Mine is
4: so embarrassing. Yours is so cool. <laughs> Mine was I'm ruining any cool rap I had. <laughs> it was air supply.
0: Oh no! Oh, nice. oh, okay. I can beat you with that with uncool. I'm, I'm all pretty. out of
4: love. I'm so lost with that.
3: <laughs> you said you weren't going to. <laughs> no, she's already <laughs> singing. I mean we've already got we're gonna have her with that King George song and the her Anyway, that was
4: my terrible, yeah. That was my first concert.
3: Okay, no, I can beat you. I have the absolute
0: worst. I was dating this older guy. I was maybe twenty, and you have to remember, my idea of a concert was going to the opera. I mean, my first occasion was Madame Butterfly. That's what I remember. (laughs) So, but so the first time I actually went to a concert, I was nineteen or twenty, and I was with an older gent, and it was Tom Jones that's awesome to have fun with that's
2: a good one that's a
0: good one I have
2: a good story that's awesome I love I wanted to
0: tell you honestly I asked my husband Marcus who was kind of cool back then and I said okay what was your first concert because I was going to steal it so I didn't have to admit (laughs) and he said oh let's see Jimi Hendrix
2: Oh, that's awesome.
0: He saw Bob Dylan sing. I mean he back when he was young. Know. He saw Janice Joplin. It's oh, like, man. no, I saw Tom Jones.
2: Tom Jones is great. I love Tom Jones. <laughs>
1: Oh. All right, Kristen, who was your first concert? So so my first by a very narrow
2: margin was Paul McCartney, which is awesome. Oh. I mean, could, could there be a better first concert, right? Yeah. No. And then uh, I think it was just a couple weeks later, I went to the new kids in the block. So if the, if the schedules had been reversed, but so Paul McCartney, but I have to say about Tom Jones, um, I, I, you guys, I know you all know, but, um, I have been working on Chubby Checker's autobiography and have known him for years and years and years, Chubby Checker who sang the twist in the 60s um he was on for his 70th birthday which was eight years ago something like that a long time ago he was on Dancing with the Stars and so I was in LA with him for Dancing with the Stars and we went out to dinner for his birthday and Tom Jones was dining a couple of tables away (laughs) and Chubby Chubby walked up to him and started singing Tom Jones songs to Tom to Tom Jones it was just one of those moments of like rock and roll fame colliding it was so funny I, so I
1: covered awesome. at Tom He's- Jones concert when I worked for the Savannah paper and all the wi- people were throwing ladies were throwing their panties and yes their, and their room keys at Tom Jones no, I, was no, like, I was like, like what, what, what? I was so naive I was like they're throwing
0: their underwear panties <laughs> and, and hotel that room
4: that keys. That at the Air Supply concert, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hey, Christy, what was yours? Okay, so mine is kind of ridiculous, but I went. My first concert was The Wallflowers. Do y'all remember The Wallflowers? Yes, yes of course. Yeah. Cool. And it was so funny because I don't know, like, what I was thinking, but I mean, I remember thinking, like, like really digging in about what I should wear to this concert, and I ended up wearing this. Like, I remember wearing this, like cardigan like what what, how was I thinking that was a cool thing to wear to a concert like I mean I was in like sixth grade you know I mean I don't know but I like remember like picking it I'm like like of all the things to pick out that was like the worst thing that I could have picked out to wear to a concert.
1: (laughs) Now you could have worn Lily Pulitzer. That would have been worse.
3: That would have been worse. That would have been worse. You're right. This was like, like a step away. At least I had on like jeans and like, I remember wearing some like clogs were really in and I had some like clogs that I wore. Um, so yeah, that was my first one. But my second was Bruce Springsteen. That was a pretty yeah, good was, one. Yeah, now that's cool. yeah. That just was a cool lie. one. You should just lie and tell people Bruce Just say Bruce Springsteen.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. get
0: a To show you how old i was when i was in school graduate school i was in jersey and um he was putting up signs you know just hanging them up on the lamppost to tell talk to people about when his concerts were just to get people to show up yeah Yeah.
1: and i didn't go otherwise my first concert would have been (laughs) yeah good one mary alice this is where we segue into talking about music and poetry and how it affects our creativity and our writing. Now, I've known writers who create playlists or Spotify lists to inspire them while writing. Do any of you ladies do that? Patty, do you do that? I do. Um, I don't necessarily
4: make a playlist, but I do try to listen to music that has something to do with the book I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, when I was working on Joy, I played a lot of that kind of English Baroque music, that mm-hmm. Oxford and London, that kind of thing. For me though, it can't have words. Yeah. So if I'm listening to music while I'm writing, it it can't have words or it will, I'll get, my brain will start trying to sing the lyrics or like that hard drive in the back of our, my head will. But yeah, music has always been, but more so, and I think you'll, y'all will agree, I can't wait to hear your answers. More so songs have inspired me. Yes. I've heard a lyric or um, like I just was joking about that, sending a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. There's, You'll hear this line and it sticks with you and that's inspired things in stories for sure. So not necessarily listening to the words.
1: How about y'all? Kristen, what about you? Do you do playlists or Spotify? Or- no
2: kind of like what Patty said, words take me out of it, Mm -hmm. so I can't listen to anything with words, and most of the time I just write in silence. I don't think I've found, I mean, you know, I, I write mostly about World War II now, and I'm not sure I've found the right music that feels like it transports me to the writing I need to do about World War Two because it's not World War Two people dancing in dance clubs or something. It's a a different kind of writing. And and I haven't found the music to get me there yet. And so I think it's just easier in the silence of my own head. But I completely agree with you, Patty, about um, lyrics being really inspirational and just sometimes songwriters can execute a turn of phrase and just a, a different way than we're able to and in a way that like my mind just never would have connected those words and it's it's one of the reasons i'm excited about our episode in a couple of weeks when we have sister hazel here because i think they're really they have some amazing turns of phrase in their lyrics so i'm looking forward to discussing that with
1: them do you listen to music when you're writing you know it varies i don't usually
0: but when i do i read somewhere that the music of mozart actually is um gets your your brain synapses to go yeah. it's 50. Help, helpful. So sometimes I'll have it very soft in the background, but for the most part, like Kristen, I write in silence. So I don't get distracted. Christy,
1: do you, what do you do?
3: i in silence a lot, but I'm sort of strange in that like, if I, I think we've talked, I don't know, I think I've talked to one of you about this before, but if it's something that I have listened to a million times, like James Taylor is an example where I know every word so well that I, it's like, I don't think about it. It just blends into the background. And it's like very soothing. When I'm editing, I like crank up whatever I'm loving the most right then. It's like when I'm like, making corrections, because that feels so tedious to me. So I like, you know, will really listen to music during that. But I agree with Patty, I think, you know, they'll see, I'll hear a lyric, or there'll be something that, you know, you hear, it makes you think of something. And I also have sometimes used it, like, if I want to remember, like, what it felt like to be 16. Um, yes. or I want to remember yes. what it felt like to go on that first date. Or you know, whatever it was, there's always a song that makes
1: you think of that. And, and, friend's back and he's gonna be <laughs> gonna be You know, when I wrote my first Christmas novella, Blue Christmas, it was August. And I was riding in a rented beach cottage on Tybee Island, so it was 112 degrees. <laughs> um so I took a boombox with me and I played Elvis's Christmas albums because obviously Blue Christmas and Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift for You album to get myself to, because I was trying to summon a Christmas spirit. And then you know sometimes a certain song like I will think about if I have a couple that's been together I'm putting them together in a rom-com or you know any any kind of a book like that I will Try to think about what their song would be. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like I
3: that too.
1: yeah. So
0: I and was Christmas, writing- especially. I think that's why uh, that that's a good idea to think of.
1: Yeah, I was when I was writing a book a few years ago called um, Spring Fever. It was about a my character had a girlhood crush on her best friend's older brother, and they ended up getting married and stuff happens. So when I was writing that, I was. This is the worst story ever. It's so corny. I channeled my girlhood crush on my best friend's twin brother. Oh. And he didn't, I would have died if anybody knew, but our, we had a song. He didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> our song was this Paul Moriarty instrumental called Love is Blue. Oh, da, 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 dee, da, da. You know, in it that song, I played it over and over again, trying to sum it up. and And when I was writing that that story, I was trying to summon up that feeling of hopeless teenage crush. Mm. And, um, you know, back then, I was trying to write poetry and so you know last week we talked about poetry when we had Delia Owens as our guest and everyone I think was amazed um, that the poetry in Where the Crawdad Sings was her own original poetry and I know some of you ladies actually write poetry so could or you know I know poetry has a huge place in Patty and your writing practice you want to talk about that yeah I think that for
4: me, poetry is an art form that I can appreciate without ever feeling like I have to try it or do it. So when I read an amazing novel and the prose is blowing me away, I kind of stop in my tracks and want to figure it out or try to emulate it. But with poetry, I can just bask in it. I don't ever try to do it. I don't need to do it. I can just it's, so one of my favorite poets is David White. And one of my favorite quotes he says is that poetry tries to say the unsayable. And I just, I really like that a lot. Um, when my daughter got married, I had no idea what to do for the speech at her wedding. So I memorized my first poem oh. and then I recited it. It was a poem by William Stafford. And the first line is, um, the first line is, starting here, what do you want to remember? And he said what I couldn't say. So, and then when I feel out of sorts, I I think y'all feel the same. Poetry is a very grounding thing to do. And like I said, I don't feel like I have to try and do it. So it's easy for me to enjoy fully, but do y'all do that? Do you listen to it? Yeah, I do. I mean, like
0: you, when I'm writing, I don't like to read other novels ever. Because, and it's that's why vacation is reading novels, because you get to catch up, because I don't want anyone's words in my head. But when I, I do read poetry a lot when I write novels, because I think it's the most highest form of writing in that it is so each word is chosen. And they express in so few words what is so profound. And so many times when I get stuck or I just want to be lifted or inspired, I'll, I'll go to my favorite poets. We were talking last time about how this summer during the pandemic, it's been really refreshing to read poetry in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just read one poem we take turns, me and my sisters. And it's just sort of, the the most fun one were Mary Oliver. And I think why Mary Oliver is so accessible is she writes so, it makes it look so easy. It's like Emily Dickinson in our day, you know, just very, she makes it straight, as she'd say. And it's just like, I think, wow, if I could, I could do that. It's the old, I could do that. But of course, you can. And we're friends with Patty, with a really wonderful, the the Poet Laureate of South Carolina, who's Marjorie Barth. And she is this energetic woman who can just zoom in and write great poetry. So I do write poetry, but not a lot of it. I've always been embarrassed to show it. That's what I said, you know, it's like, you know, it's not what I do. I'm not a poet, but I write it just because it helps me express emotions raw. Does that make sense at all? And so the only poem I've ever published was the one in is the one called Odyssey that's in on Ocean Boulevard. It's the first time that I published it and I really love that poem. I mean I really it nailed what I wanted to say in all my books about turtles.
3: So there you are.
0: That's beautiful.
3: Christy and Kristen does poetry speak to you or I write it sometimes, and I would sooner die than have anyone read it. But um, <laughs> I really I'm But I'm like, but sometimes I'll be like, that's really good, and then I'm like, is it or is it really, really bad? You know, you just don't really know. Um, but I, I am not. I've never been someone that reads tons and tons of poetry. I mean, I love Mary Oliver. And I know we all do. And I do think, you know, that what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Like that has to have changed everyone's life. I mean, that runs through my head all the time when I'm like trying to make a decision. Um, And it's such a good way to describe your life. And I think that's what you're saying, Mary Alice. Like she does make it look accessible even though maybe it's really not.
1: we all think we can write haiku because it's only seven syllables it's really, really hard yeah, yeah. do you do you write or read poetry or you have a four-year-old I don't know when you would have <laughs> well my four-year-old and I were making up rhymes about
2: gluteus maximus today so if that gives you any idea of, of the level of poetry I'm working on but um I, I my know. very my very first published piece ever, it. when I was in fifth grade in the Saint Petersburg Times on the kids page at the Saint Pete Times, was a poem I wrote called "Mr. E in the Apple Tree." <laughs> oh, so my, you, my, my you have to post it. I have, I don't even know where I would find it. I don't know. It was when I was in fifth grade, maybe not even fourth grade, maybe. But um, yeah. So my first and only published piece of poetry. I greatly admire. Poets. It's something I, I don't think I can do. It's it's as mysterious to me as songwriting, which is another beautiful thing I wish I could do.
1: Um,
2: but I have been reading a book of poetry recently called When Rap Spoke Straight to God, by a, a writer named Erica Dawson, who I met a couple of years ago. We did an event together. She's a, a poet and a creative writing professor. And Oprah Magazine described it as a labyrinth of race, religion, rap, and wonder. It is uh, opening my eyes to things I didn't realize. Poetry could do. So I feel like every everything I read that's outside of what I myself am capable of, it, it expands me as a writer and expands me as a person. So I'm I'm appreciating that.
0: I love that. May I just say one thing about that because I was really intrigued you that you brought up about the hip hop. I think that's what was so striking about Hamilton was yeah. it's the poetry of the young, and as a someone of a different generation, to hear that and the the power and the beauty yeah. of it was phenomenal for me and it made me realize you know these guys who started our country were young yeah, and yeah. this was the language of our young and it was I'm glad you brought that up
1: yeah. now we have a couple of announcements about forthcoming releases and re-releases and <laughs> we make sure everybody knows about them now Mary Alice I understand there's a gorgeous new reissue of the book club you tell us about
0: that i am so excited and i don't even have a copy of the book to show you but if you go to my facebook page or website it'll be up but it's called the book club and that's it's a re-release so it's not a new novel and it's being re-released in trade paperback and it's been re-edited and i have one of those dear reader letters at the beginning i'm happy to say you know it it holds up you know you write a book Ten years ago. And it's nice to see. And this is a story of women in there who are approaching 40. And I always thought being 40 was a time of, of change. You're saying goodbye. It's a second adolescence. I thought I was so wise at 40. Now I know how young I truly was. But when I wrote the book in, at 40s, I just had so much to say about that second adolescence, about being yourself and not being someone's mother all the time, or someone's daughter, Mm -hmm. and how one thing I've been in a book club for so long, and I know people in this was listening now have, when you read a line, or you're you're reading a book for a group, and how something sticks with you, and makes you think about your own life, I wanted to bring that into the novel, so it's called The Book Club, and it's a re-release, and it's out July 21st,
3: thank you. Christy, do you have a a re release? Yeah. Um, well, The Secret to Southern Charm just came out in mass market paperback, which was kind of fun. Um, and that's the second book in my Peachtree Bluff series. And it's been really fun because a lot of you guys have sent me pictures of it in your Kroger and your Walgreens and all of those fun places. And I love mass markets because you can throw them in your beach bag and they don't weigh much and you can. But it's the second book in my Peachtree Bluff series, but you can definitely read it as a standalone. And yeah, it was exciting. It's number 13 on some sort of bestseller list at Kroger or something. I'm not really sure. Someone sent me a picture and was like, it's on this bestseller list. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but great. That's fantastic. Good for you.
1: And Kristen's new novel, The Book of Lost Names, comes out July 21st. And as we might have mentioned, pre-orders are incredibly important to the success of a new novel, even more so in a pandemic. So we have included the link to pre-order. And, and we do hope that you'll be inspired by what we've talked about. To uh, We've all read it and loved it. Um, so yep. that's all we're going to say about that. So we're all going to, we're going to go move to the discussion questions. We're trying to do kind of a lightning round to, so we can get to a lot of your questions because we want to know what you want to know. and We want to tell you what we know about what you want to know. My question was from Robin Shelley, and these questions were all posted on the, uh, Friends and Fiction Facebook page. Robin Shelley <laughs> asks what I do when I get stuck in the dreaded middle section of the story I'm writing. And I chose this because I am, that's right where I'm at with my book in progress, which will be out next summer. I am in the sloppy, saggy, dreaded middles, and they are always (laughs) a struggle for me. I try to tell myself you're halfway home or a third or whatever. And so to get through it, I might write down a list of plot points I still need to check off before I get to the finish line or think about what emotional turning point my protagonist needs to have reached. Today, I was just trying to get to a kiss, I'm mean, <gasps> trying to get to where the love interest kisses the protagonist. And, you know, so I just put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes to change things up, I'll write out a scene out of sequence, but I write in a linear fashion. Now, who else has a question that they chose? Kristen, did you choose a question to um, answer for yourself?
2: Yeah, so this one is from Patricia uh, Delo. Since there are hundreds of people watching and joining, how does this venue compare with book tours for you? And how long do you intend to do this? Um, well, first of all, I think I can say we're all in agreement that we, we plan to do this indefinitely. I can't imagine, right? I mean, ladies, would you agree with me? Oh,
1: yes. I, I can't
2: imagine sure. ever stopping. I mean, I feel like we found um, We've just found a place to be ourselves and to to meet our readers and to get together with each other every week. And, you know, one of the things that I think we've all really appreciated is that people are commenting all the time on our friends in fiction group saying they feel like that we're friends. Like, that you know, they found friends in each other and they feel like they found friends in us. And I, I, that just means the world to me. I, I think you all agree. Um, so we're, we're going to be here, whether you all like it or not, we're, we're sticking <laughs> around, <laughs> but, but how does this pair with book tours? Um, I, I think it's not, uh, it's They're just two different things. Uh, we started this off because we weren't on tour um, and because this seemed like a substitute for book tours, sort of, in a way. It's not. I mean, there's, there's no comparison to being there in person and meeting you and shaking your hand or giving you a hug, which we wouldn't be able to do now anyhow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or being in these wonderful bookstores that we all feel so strongly about supporting. But this is... Just a whole new thing that we found. I mean, mm-hmm. how else would we all be sitting in our own homes on a Wednesday night, um, interacting with eight hundred or a thousand of you? I mean, this is amazing. It's an amazing opportunity, um, and and I think we just all feel so blessed and so grateful uh, that we're here
1: and that you're all here with us. Totally. Patty, what what question did you want to answer, Patty? To you. <laughs> um, I actually didn't pick one
4: off the Facebook because. The five of us were talking this week. Oh, that's right. I forgot. And we, start. so one of my favorite podcasts is called On Being with Krista Tippett. And I love how every week she asks every guest she has the same leading question. So the five of us talked a lot about what would be that question that we will ask every guest. And we have some, we've had some amazing guests. We have some blow your mind guests coming up. What is that one question that kind of gives you the background of their life without doing a a full, you know, background check? And so I thought it'd be fun for me to ask you guys that question. And the question we all thought might be really interesting is, what were the values of reading and writing in your family growing up? How was writing and reading valued? Did you have a library full of books? Did your mom encourage it? Um, So I'm going to shoot it around the circle. Christy, how about you?
3: Um, Yes, reading was definitely highly encouraged um, in my house. And we had so, so, so many books. And uh, my mom would read to me for hours and hours. And I loved being read to. And she always tells this story about how I was like two or three, like very tiny, an age where you will not sit still. Um, and that she sat down with me and just wanted to see how long I would let her read. And after like three hours, she had no voice. And I was still saying, one more story, mommy, one more story. Um, But we definitely, I mean, we went to the bookstore every week. We went to the library every week. There were not enough books for me ever. Like I remember this little used bookstore in our town and my dad would take me on Saturday mornings. And I mean, I would spend is very patient, I mean, hours in there and just have, you know, hordes of books that were like, you know, 50 cents or whatever. So yeah, definitely, definitely grew up a big reader for sure. How about you, Kathy?
1: My parents didn't have a lot of money for books. There were five of us uh, born right one after the other, but my mother was a huge reader. And so we did have books in the house by hook or by crook. And we were big library users. The bookmobile came to the shopping center near our house. When it came, we would get on and all five of us would check out the maximum number they would let us have. And then we would all climb off the bookmobile and the tires would rise because we had all the books.
4: (laughs) That's amazing. Amazing. How about you, Mary Alice? Well, I'm
0: one of 10 children. And so we, um, there were a lot of books, but never enough. You know, we, we would reread the same books all the time. We had a, a library in the house, but not so many little kids' books. So we would go to the library. And when we went to the library, it was a major effort because, we'd all, you know, here come the children from that family. And we would <laughs> take over. And our books were always overdue. <laughs> always. <laughs> and so... Um, But we all, I think what was interesting to me is my mom was an avid reader, but she was pregnant. I'm the third eldest and she was pregnant a lot when I grew up. And so she was in bed a lot of the times towards the last five because she had 10 cesarean sections. And so the doctor, yeah, back in the day. So the doctor would put her to bed for the last couple months and that's where storytelling i think was such an important part for me as a one of the big kids the elder sisters we would read books to the kids to put them to bed but a lot of the times we made up stories so you know for something i'd read i would we were all into fantasy a little too much perhaps and we would stories would be very much a part of our lives but we read, but we also made them up to put the kids to bed. Because there's 10 of you, it's a whole nother scenario. It really is.
4: Yeah, so interesting to think about how our families either fed or didn't feed into mm-hmm. our desire to do what we're doing. Kristen, how about you?
2: Yeah, I. I- came from a family where reading was very valued. My mom read to us all the time. Um, You know, I was that kid, as I'm sure you probably all were too, who would sneak books under the covers at night with a flashlight, you know, like that was was being badly behaved. (laughs) And what I was just reaching for, as you were talking about it, it occurred to me, I had this book on my shelf Gus was a friendly ghost, and this is one of the few things I um, took from my grandmother's house after she passed away, because it's a book I have memories of her reading to me when I was a child. So, you know, I, I still... I, I'm like tearing up. I read this to Noah the other day and it, it kind of brought my grandmother back. I was really close to her. I love her very much. And I have an aunt who's only about 14 years older than me, my aunt Donna. If Donna, if you're watching, hi. But uh, she was she was a big reader and I looked up to her so much when I was a kid because she was, you know, the young, cool aunt. And so reading was cool. And uh, yeah, so uh, aunt Donna helped make reading really cool for me too.
1: <laughs> okay, who else has got a question that they p- pulled off the website?
3: I have one. Hi, Steve. Um, So Carol Baker Falconberry asked, "Do you ever include some family secrets or your own secrets in any of your books?" And
1: <laughs> uh, I a- just
3: had to answer this question because I know this happens to all of us when we have readers come to us and say, "I have a story that you have to write." And like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, we would say, "Thank you so much. That's your story. You should write it." <laughs> well, one time I had someone tell me a story that I had to write, and she said, I'm the last person living that knows the story and you have to write it. And she tells me the secret. And I said, I can have her write that because no one would believe that that actually happened. And so some of you probably know this story, but um, when I got the deal for my Peachtree Bluff series, I I was not expecting to pitch an idea for a series and I pitched it off the top of my head. And that was the secret. It popped into my head And I swear it was like her coming to me from the other side, because it was absurd. Like I thought I could never pull this off. But it was all I could think of in that moment. And I pitched that secret. um, And the woman that became my editor was like, I have never read that before. (laughs) So, um, So I was like, I have to answer that question. Because it was just it wasn't really the secret that she told me, but it was a takeoff of it. Um, and so it was. I just I think it's so neat that something that someone else told me could have inspired three books, a whole series. That's amazing. That is. Who else has got a question that they pulled? I up? do. From Kylie Walton,
0: and she asks, "Do you edit as you write your first draft, or do you?" sort of pull it together as you write and that's an interesting question i think every author does his her own thing for me i usually write fast like we're doing our sprints and i just write a lot of words but the next morning i always begin by reading over the previous words and that gets me back into the flow when i do that and a lot of times i'll i'll edit you know she wouldn't the, the dialogue didn't sound quite right and I like to read aloud so I do edit just that much during my first draft and when I send the book in um, then real editing begins after that but the first draft is light and um, do I cut and paste and move things around? No, I keep going forward because the goal for a lot of first drafts is to make sure The book is done. The book you have. You don't really know what you're trying to say in a novel until you're about a halfway through and a couple light bulbs go off so you can adjust as you move forward. So I my my recommendation to all young writers and what I do is I just get that first shitty draft done.
1: (laughs) Who else has got a question that they pulled? Is that it? We, so. we so, um, who is pulling the live questions off the website?
3: Yes, you guys. I have a few that I've saved that I've I've just been watching them come in. But if anybody has one right now, you can ask it right now, and I'll try to get to it. Okay, so the first one is oh, this isn't a question, but I just had to say it because I remember this too. Susan Short Seligman said my favorite days in school were library day book fair day. And when the scholastic book orders came out and I mean, Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yes. I mean just all three of those like real highlights. I remember
4: Um, this great meme I saw once that said, I'm still chasing the high of a scholastic book fair. Oh
3: my
2: God.
3: It's so much fun. I love to go work it at Will's school because I'm like, I could, to be here again i get to read the book friends is so great um shelby henderson has a really good question she said i want to read some more modern poets other than mary oliver any poet suggestions
0: yeah i just said i would read marjorie wentworth um kwame alexander is is you know he's the new Award winning poet and um wendell berry these are really of course well, uh, Frost, everyone knows that, but it's just those are really accessible poets that I think are um, Emily Dickinson,
1: who's the Irish poet. He came to the Decatur Book Fair a few years ago, and he was phenomenal. Not Seamus um Billy
4: Collins. Billy Collins.
1: Oh, oh Billy oh, Collins. Oh, oh, from, from
2: Florida. He's yeah. um the he's the poet laureate of Florida. He I actually did an event, oh, event with him know, a couple years so, ago. He's great.
1: He's of so course. funny yeah. and reverent and. Yeah, Billy Call. And
4: I would definitely suggest I quoted him a minute ago, David White. He's modern, he's he's active now. He does he's not doing them right now with the pandemic, but he does walking tours of poetry in England and in Ireland. And he's amazing too. So
2: and and Erica Dawson as well, the one I mentioned earlier, who wrote When Rap Spoke Straight to God, which came out in twenty eighteen. So that's relatively new, and she's still writing, and she's phenomenal and accessible and really interesting. I think we'll start a
4: thread because I know. yeah. The, yeah. yeah I know the minute we're done, I'm going to. We're all going
3: to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: It's always hard on the spot, so we'll start a, a thread and everybody can add their favorite modern poets. I think that's a great idea. Great, great yeah. idea. Do you go? This, this
3: is a, this is another not really question, but I just everyone has to hear this because I love it. Connie Cooper said, "Anyone remember Weekly Readers that you received oh, in the yeah. summer?" Yes. I mean, loved. <laughs> I totally, I, I had totally forgotten about this. um this is a good one this is a really good one um Julie Jordan Booth and I'm going to toss this one to you first Mary Alice because you have the best answer for this says I love listening to audible books Would any of you narrate your own books
0: yeah I (laughs) I do I actually um always thought I wanted to but I auditioned I sent my tape to uh, Brilliance Audio, and they said yes, because I always figured I didn't want to be the author who had that voice like this. I wanted <laughs> to read her book. <laughs> <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> so I want to have that. a good voice. So I, I've read most <laughs> of my books from the beach house on. And then they, uh, other beautiful recording artists did the earlier ones, but it's, it's very hard work.
4: Mm-hmm. But I love yeah, it. I, the only thing I've that. done is read my author note. I read, I've read my author's note. Before. It was
3: beautiful, too. Oh, I like but, that. Well, and you podcast very well, and that's kind of a, that's similar.
1: What other questions do we have, Chris? Do We have time for some more?
3: Okay, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, Nancy Langan says titles during the writing or prior to. Oh, <laughs>
2: Um, during, because I still don't have a title for my book that, and I need a title within the next week. So <laughs> you guys have all helped me. Um, but yeah, usually for me, the title comes uh, once I have the idea. This is a very late title for me.
1: For me, usually I start with a title. Uh, I think it's a throwback to my newspaper days Um, when I was a newspaper reporter. I would write my own headlines because I didn't like the ones the copy desk gave me. So I would write it at the top of my story. And it gives me, for me, it helps me keep my mind on what the story is about. Um, But, you know, with Hello Summer, my editor came up with that title. And she just said, all right, write a book about Hello Summer. Wow. Might come before, during,
4: or after. They've come all I've changed titles right before the title was released. I've had it before I've written it, and I've found it in the writing. So all of the above for me.
1: Yeah,
0: I, that's why we call it the working title a lot, because um, I remember I think my I wanted Turtle Summer, and it became The Beach House, which apparently a lot of other authors like, too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I'm, I'm all over the place too. I mean, I'm before, during, after my next book under the Southern sky, I had written, I knew what the book was going to be about and had written maybe like two chapters of it. Um, and normally mine come from a line in the book. Um, I had not written a line at all that was under the Southern sky, but I was, I was on my spin bike. We were talking about this earlier today and I just, it just popped in my head under the Southern sky. And I was like, that's the title. And I was so shocked because I sent it and everyone liked it, which doesn't happen like that often. I feel like sometimes it's all over the map. Someone loves it, someone hates it, someone likes this better. So I love it when it sticks like that and when everyone's like, "Yes, that's the title."
4: And the hard part about titles is the harder you try to think of one, yes. the likely you are to think of one. Can I get exactly. an exactly? That like, came yes.
0: up. I remember with um. The Summer Guest, that was, Patty, you came up with that title because I was, I wanted to call it Whirlwind. I, I loved that title. And my publisher said, no, 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 no. And I was duking it out. So I was talking to Patty and complaining and crying. And she says, well, what about The Summer Guest? Everyone loved it. And
1: there awesome. it is. So good. So good. I had a book title for Hissy Fit. I was taking a bubble bath. <laughs> And I was mad about something that someone had done, and I just thought to myself, "I'm just going to pitch a hissy fit." And that was like, "Okay, that's the title. I don't know what the book's about, but that's what I'm going to." And it's one of
0: my favorite titles. One of my favorite. I just love that title.
1: It's a great title. We're always jealous of Kathy's titles.
4: She always has such. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Hissy fit was a good one. That was like one of that's a forever favorite book of yours for me. I love that book. I really, really love that one. Somebody wants to know, and I can answer this or anyone can answer this, I can't find it now, but two different people asked, do pre-orders of ebooks help us? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. All pre-orders, yes. all pre-orders, sure. all pre-orders sure. help. And so again, we're going to say, Kristen has a book out in a few weeks, so if you're curious about ordering or reading it, now's the time. Because I don't think a lot of readers truly understand that those few weeks right before and at point of delivery are so important
3: well and at this time I mean people are running out of books the publishers are you know everything is slower it's not like our normal shipping times and our normal warehouse schedules and so if they know that you need the book you're much more likely to get it. (laughs)
2: True. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah. This is kind of a fast one. So, Mary Nilsson Kinstra wants to know what are your favorite podcasts?
0: Hmm. Oh, Patty's going to jump on on this one.
3: I
4: already mentioned it. I think my favorite podcast is On Being with Krista Tippett. She interviews the most fascinating people everything from poets to authors to neuroscientists to astronomies to, I mean, there isn't a podcast she does that I don't find fascinating. And she has the long version where she interviewed them. And then she has the cut version that's on NPR, but she's amazing.
1: Wow. (laughs) My guilty pleasure podcast. I haven't been walking much lately, but when I do walk, um, my daughter turned me on to young house love. Oh my God. (gasps) <gasps> what is that oh it's this couple um and they you know rehab houses and
3: oh they have a show right they have a yeah. tv show
1: yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, no no they're no they don't have a tv show but they've been they've been oh. blogging and Okay, they just sold their house. They had two houses in Maryland. They had a beach house and they had a house outside of Richmond and Now they bought a house down uh on the Florida Panhandle that they're redoing. so that's kind of my guilty pleasure. I love it makes it. sense. it would be. You love houses, yeah, okay, so that is it for questions. I think now, Christy, do you have a writing tip for us tonight? I do. Well, it's a little less of a writing tip and it's a little more of an editing
3: tip because as you guys know, that's what I've been doing for the last two weeks. Um, And this is really simple, but I think we all do this and we were sort of chatting about this in our text this morning, but there are certain words that we tend to overuse or say (laughs) a lot. For me, it's just Yes. Well, I mean, there's a whole list of them. And so about three books ago, I decided that instead of having to realize that every single time I wrote a book, that I would just keep a running list of them. And it, it varies from book to book, but there's some that just are over and over again. And so whenever I realize that I'm using that word way too much, I add it to the list. And then when I'm editing, I go through and search that word and I see how many times I've used it and then try to take it out when I can so it's not really a writing to but it has saved me a little bit of time and we're so used to reading our own writing I think we miss some of those things sometimes so it's um it's been really useful for me
4: isn't it funny how it changes with every book yeah
3: yes. and maybe it's the character too yep. the character's yeah. voice is different and they say a certain word a lot' yep. yeah. Kristen
0: and I were just sort of texting about that this morning briefly. Um, it's not just a word. Sometimes it's it's a point I'm making and I'll say it so many times yeah. that it's like, you know, like I joked this morning, why say it once when you can say it seven times? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you have to take it out. But I remember one time my editor said, Mary Alice, I think they were always jerking their heads. She said, everyone in the entire book is it's
1: like eye rolling. I have to be careful.
2: Yes. With
4: eye rolling. Yeah. Or my yeah. yeah. My
2: characters all speak softly and murmur, so I, I always have to knock that out of drafts. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. Somebody on here said that um, every book they read, someone pushes someone's hair behind their ears, and I was like, oh, I never say that. And I was reading Under the Southern <laughs> Sky, and there was a scene, and he like pushes, and I was like, oh my god, she's right. She's totally right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and that's so funny you said when I was finishing editing the Florence Nightingale short story, I just finished. Everybody's eyes kept being a light. <laughs> like, that's never a word I use, but because I was writing about the 1830s, I was like, or 1840s, I was using like that language, but then I just got stuck on that, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> not good.
1: Okay, we're going to talk about quickly what everybody is reading, and I'm going to just hold up what I'm reading because it is. Uh, <laughs> you and I are always buddy reading books without knowing it. Oh, I know. Kristen you're preparing for her visit. Yeah, we've got Jasmine Guillory next week, and this uh, her book came out just this past week, so that's what I'm reading. it. Yeah. Mary Alice, you're reading something. Yeah, like I love before. Susan
0: Wiggs. Just adore her. She's great, and she has a Fabulous new book out called "The Oysterville Sewing Circle." Um, she writes groups of friends, book stories as good or better than anyone. I love, I love it. Oysterville: Oysterville Sewing Circle
4: I don't have the book because it's not out yet, so I only have it on E, but I'm reading Fiona's new Lines of Fifth Avenue because she's our guest in a few weeks. Fiona Davis And, it is. and yeah, Fiona Davis, yeah. yeah, Fiona, is that what I said? Fiona. Oh,
2: we were just adding her last name in. (laughs) She's like like Cher. She doesn't need a
4: last name. She doesn't need a last name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's just Fiona. Fiona Davis, um, Lions of Fifth Avenue. It comes out in a couple weeks. And I mean, come on, we're book nerds. The whole thing takes place in the New York public library. Mm -hmm. And for bookworm nerds like me, and there's a heist and a book goes missing. And it's like, it's like a childhood fantasy to live in the library. And then, so I'm loving it, loving it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. We love hearing your questions and your comments and knowing that you're even recruiting members from total strangers you meet on the <laughs> beach. Like one of our members told us this week Gold um, stars yeah yeah we would also love it if you would follow us individually on our instagram pages and you can find the links on the website and also um something i i think i've been meaning to talk about is if you have loved a book really loved a book it would be great if you would share that love with a positive review wherever whether it's on the A word, which we don't say on this show, but (laughs) uh, good reads, lots, there are lots of places for uh, book reviews. And if you love a book, you won't believe what a, what a boost you can give a book by telling people that you love it. And And an author. Yes. (laughs) You know, last night I finished a book. Um, I've loved this book so much. It's called, uh, the Sweeney sisters. Leanne Dolan and at midnight I finished it and I fangirled her a message just to say I love this book I wish I had written this book I hate you for writing it (laughs) Uh, so don't forget to join us next Wednesday night 7 p.m eastern when our guest will be New York Times best-selling author Jasmine Guillory and her, her new book Romantic Comedy is part two and we have posted a link on the website so that you can order that now ahead of next week. And we'll see you then. Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. Good night. Bye.
4: Good night.
0: Two weeks, Kristen, and it's your turn. We get to <laughs> get the damn girl over you. Oh, my gosh. The book
3: of <laughs> it was so good. I talk about it everywhere. And the most hilarious thing is I was doing this. I was doing a Facebook Live the other night. And... Kristen like popped in. She wasn't there. Like I have been doing it for like ten minutes, then she pops in, and it's right as I'm like, "You have to read the book of lost names. It's so good." I was getting my hair cut. I was crying, and she was like, "What a great time for me to pop in." And I'm like, "So I clear. I talk about all of y'all's books every time I'm doing something now because I, I assumed. <laughs> super
2: fan. Yeah, it was funny timing. Thank you for that mention, though. That was really so getting ready
1: for
0: the. uh, for the non book tour. So what is book? What does it look like for you?
2: Yeah, everything kind of kicks off next week. I think uh, my first bookstore event is the 14th, which is about a week before the book actually comes out. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of stuff and I'm, I feel very overwhelmed. I think I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm still in this, Quarantine mindset, sort of, where like the world outside doesn't exist, and like all that matters is Wednesday nights. And now I'm like, wait, I have to show up other times, other than Wednesday nights. I'm so confused. Exactly. But um, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm just excited. It's gonna be um, just an opportunity to meet some other booksellers and other other readers that maybe aren't with us yet on Friends in Fiction, and it's just gonna be fun.
1: Do you have your Zoom wardrobe lined up? <laughs>
2: Yeah, always yoga pants or sweatpants on the bottom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, except tonight when I'm wearing a dress, which I realized when I stood up to get that book, I'm like, I probably just flashed everybody. So apologies if you all saw my (laughs) gluteus maximus tonight.
4: No. Um, (laughs) We're going to rewind and check.
2: (laughs) Yes, my my uh, tour wardrobe consists mostly of Express Portofino shirts, which don't have to be ironed, and which I can just snap over my whatever sport mm-hmm. I'm wearing that day with my mm-hmm. T-shirt. That's a super <laughs> so... idea. What
0: it's a good idea. strategy. Yeah.
2: And you get your hair done before book tour? No, because Maybe... I'm still. I mean, I mean, Florida. so what in Florida, Florida, and I, I'm just nervous.
1: Yeah, You're, I'm cutting my own, own
2: bangs, otherwise they'd be oh. like to hear But um great. Th- the rest of it just looks awful, this isn't how my hair usually looks, but no. well, it, yeah, I like it. It looks great. Yeah, looks I, I'm not a bang person, I, I cut bangs on a whim in, I think, November, I mean, well not cut them, but had them cut, Um and assumed they would be grown out by now, like it just was something I was going to do for a couple months in the winter, and here I am with no real good way to grow them out. No, like I don't even know I don't know you without, oh I love you. I, I you. know, I know, but I feel like I don't look like my author photo. People are going to be like, she didn't write that book. She's the girl with bangs. <laughs>
1: Have you ever been in a store when somebody speaks to you or, I don't know, are signing and you say, I wrote that book and they look at your author p- photo and they go, that isn't you. <laughs> or, they say, or they say, wow, wow, you're, you know, you look way better in the photo. Oh. Oh, my gosh. No one's actually said that to me. That's it's, it's always crazy. the man who says it, by the way.
3: Uh, anyone ever says to me, I recognize you from your author photo. I go, oh, my gosh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I <laughs> spent a lot
1: of money to look that good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, I was at, uh, I was having my mammogram yesterday, and it was pretty early in the morning, and I went to the wrong oh. office. And you know, I had on my mask and there were two ladies there. And um one was at the desk and she turned around, looked at me, and she said, I know you somehow. I said, Oh. I don't you know, all she can see is this. Oh, that's said, interesting. Oh. She said, You wrote a book, didn't you? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, is like, yeah, but I'm late for my appointment. Where do I go? Oh, that's, <laughs> well, <yeah>. that's <laughs> She's awesome. you wrote a book, didn't you? And I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, well, tell me your name again. And I said, well, I, I write as Mary Kay Andrews. And the other lady went, oh my God, Mary Kay Andrews. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. If Kathy and I tried to wear bangs,
4: we'd have two little pom-poms on our forehead.
3: Uh, well, I have never had bangs in my entire life. Like not as a child, not anytime. And I always kind of like want to try it, but I'm terrified. You look pieces of hair pieces you can get that you can tuck in true. here, yeah. and it gives you bangs, so you can see if you like
0: it.
2: Well, the, the, the bangs thing is, the thing is a nice. a I, I had um, you could actually do the Brazilian blowout just in your bangs, um. So so they fall straight and like perfectly, and so I mm-hmm. had that for the last time in maybe January, and it lasts mm-hmm. for about three months. It has absolutely worn off now. So like tomorrow morning, I'll wake up and my bangs will be like this and like curled. I mean, the only way, th- I mean, they look like this for a couple hours on a Wednesday night cause I flat ironed the heck out of them, but um, it's much better if you can do the Brazilian blowout in your bangs. Okay. The word Brazilian scares me.
0: It's not I'm not thinking about a
2: blowout. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's good. It's like a little chemical treatment. It's about $30 just to do your bangs. It's,
4: That's I so like funny. it. When, yeah. Or like, then I'd forget and they'd be half curly, half straight. So, Kristen, I always find the two weeks before a book comes out is more stressful even than yeah. when the book comes out. Lady, I mean, don't, you know, like, yes, do yeah. it. Yes. And, so we're with you. We're yeah. with Thank you. Well, yeah.
2: you, you, all four of you have been so supportive, as well as if there's anybody still watching us out there, you all have been so supportive, too. And I, I really it, it means a lot to me. All, all the kind words and kind thoughts. The it, book is wonderful. And a great deal. Show. It thank deserves you every success really, yes, thank you does. so much thank you I'm so nervous thank you <laughs> I, have
1: to, I have to go have a birthday party for my nine. Oh yeah so, birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday, happy birthday, birthday
4: yeah ladies I'm not going to be here next week I'm going to be seeing my baby granddaughter oh daughter, thank July you seven and a half months and see her so y'all take care of Jasmine Guillory while I'm gone and um We'll see you in a couple of weeks. We Miss you. Okay, good, good, good night, night y'all. Everybody. Good,
1: everybody. Love good y'all. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye.
1: Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.